In today's episode, Laura and I will be discussing imposter syndrome. Welcome to Who Said You Have To, where we discuss how society dictates to us who we must be and how we must live our lives. In this podcast, we will also help you find ways to choose the life you want to live with no fear or judgment. My name is Laura Schmidt. Tina and I know the things discussed today are not what society has taught us to believe, but I choose to believe in my own ability to see what is truth and what is not truth. My name is Tina Mason, and Laura and I challenge you to join us in believing in your own ability to find your truth, not what society has dictated you must believe to be accepted or loved. The truth is, you are loved exactly as you are, right here, right now. No human is more vital than another. You matter. And you have the free will to walk your own path with no fear and no judgment. We encourage you to have faith in yourself. And remember, who said you have to? So, Laura, what are we going to discuss today? We're going to discuss, uh, do you have imposter syndrome? I don't know, do I? <laughs> yeah, do I? So, what is imposter syndrome, Laura? Imposter syndrome, I-S, refers to an internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be. While this definition is usually narrowly applied to intelligence and achievement, it has links to perfectionism and social context. So in layman's terms, (laughs) it means like somebody who thinks that they are not, they don't, they're not as good as uh, at what they're doing or as competent at what they're doing as people perceive them to be. Okay. Like they're a phony. Right. That they think that um, they feel like the rest of the world sees them as more than they are. And I think that every human goes Mm -hmm. through this. uh, I was going to say, because I, I, I've struggled with it with any new you know, because I'm always studying and doing something new mm-hmm. and then, right? And so then I'm like, well, what if I'm not as good as I think I am? Then, <laughs> you know, is that yeah. what are people going to say? And sometimes people always see us more than we do because we put ourselves down, right? Right. And, and they worst... see the good qualities in us. Right. So uh, I'm having a difficult time with the imposter syndrome, but we're going to clear it out when yeah. we're... Well, and the thing is, is that we are always our worst enemy. Yes. Like we always see the flaws that mm-hmm. other people don't see. Yeah. Um, because the lens that we look at ourselves <laughs> with it's a little dark um is doesn't is not quite as rosy as those that love us mm-hmm. you know and there's a lot of things obviously from past trauma that we look at ourselves as well I'm a horrible person because uh one time you know I was mean to that one kid in school or, Mm -hmm. you know, things from a very long time ago because we're, we were never sent here to be perfect. We're sent here to be balanced. Perfection is unattainable. Yeah. You know, and it, as it should be, because there's nothing but fear in perfection. Yeah. But for example, like when you always tell me, okay, tell the people what you do. And I'm like, okay, me with a few words anyway. I'm just like, okay, I'm a yoga instructor. I do meditation and da, 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 da. And then you're like, no, 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 no. You are so much more. And at the same time, I'm like, am I? Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm not doing it for reassurance, but just, you know, is I that considered the imposter syndrome? Yes. Okay. Yes. I And like I said, I believe that most people battle with imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, um, you take you know, uh, like my husband, who is amazing. I mean, he builds the most amazing furniture. Mm-hmm. He's so meticulous and he does a beautiful, beautiful job. Beautiful work. But he constantly is second guessing himself all the time. And, you know, when he'll 
get an order for something and he'll be like, ah, I just don't know if I can do, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you would make a beautiful, yes. you know, and it's like in his head, it's like you have too much faith in me. Yes. And so I think I have issues with the name imposter syndrome, right? Like when people say you're an imposter, it's because you are purposefully acting like you are more than what you are. But from the definition, it seems like more insecurity syndrome. So, but it is, um, um, the reason it's called imposter syndrome is because you, you know, the person believes that they're being an imposter, that they're portraying themselves to be something more than they actually are. Okay. That makes more sense. When in all actuality, they are. I thought it was more of the people viewing you as the imposter, but it's the other way around. People see your gifts and you're just not believing in them. And so you think you're an imposter. Right, right. No, it is the other way around. Okay. So yeah. So it says that it's, you know, the feeling, feeling like a phony that you feel as though like at any moment people are going to find you out. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's stressful if you're in a career that you don't want to be found out with something like you don't belong. You know, I shouldn't be part of the of this group or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can affect anybody, no matter what their social status is, yeah. their work back to, background, their skill level or degree of um, expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> it is honestly um, probably one of the most frequent syndromes that people do experience unless you have been doing the same job your whole life. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, uh, all of the ins and outs and uh, then, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And even for like myself, I, um, am very, very good at what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm excellent at what I do, but I still have those moments of, am I qualified for this? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When and I, then I was, I was shocked to hear that this term was used first, um, by some psychologists, Suzanne Imes and Pauline Rose Clance back in the seventies. I know. I had never even heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. And, uh, but, it, and the more shocking is that it was mostly applied to high achieving women. Right. Well, because I mean, most women are, uh, especially in the seventies, um, women were to stay at home, right, mm-hmm. and to raise their children and to be a good wife, yes. you know. And so if they worked outside of the home, no matter how good they were at it, they still felt like they're not good enough. Right. Probably Was it just being compared to men, I guess? I don't know. I think that it's just because they've been told their whole lives that they would know that they, they wouldn't couldn't, amount. they couldn't achieve uh, that in a man's world. So they're just, you know, everybody just believes that they're doing mm-hmm. a good job, but they're not actually yeah. doing so it. So what are some, what are like, what are the characteristics? So some of, of the, imposter? yeah, some of the characteristics of imposter syndrome is an inability to realistically assess your competence and skills. So (laughs) you, (laughs) because you say, you know, like you just said, a lot of times when you're presenting yourself and you say, well, I do yoga and meditation and I'm like, okay, but there's a, what you do is a whole level, 10 levels Mm -hmm. above that. You don't, you do a, gentle yoga. Mm -hmm. You do a yoga that somebody who is uh, like myself, not a, (laughs) I do not enjoy uh, physical activity whatsoever. Um, You make it attainable and that's not regular yoga. Mm -hmm. Your meditations, what you bring into them is 
a enlightenment that is beyond just repeating words, right? Um, you're when you do inner child work, your intuition of, hey, let's start at this age, and this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a bicycle. What what's going on mm -hmm. there? You know, um, that's so much more than just I do yoga, meditation, and inner child work. Yeah. But I understand. <laughs> so, Laura, what's our what's another? Yes, a attributing your success to external factors. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So you know, um, I'm not I'm not really that great at it. It's because I have a great support team, mm. or I'm not very good at it. It's I just got lucky. Would or, that be the whole when people are 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 thinking and they're like, I couldn't have done this without you? Is that true? You know, could you have done something without that person? I think that's just being polite. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if that fell into that category. Of yeah. The success. My success is because of. Well, it depends on it depends on the situation. I mean, yeah. is the person like truly saying, I really couldn't have done this without yeah. you? And that's what they truly believe. And remember, that could be true. That could be. In some aspects, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That could be true. They really could be like, I could have never achieved this without you, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but are they saying it because like that's true? Or are they it's saying that because say. it's polite to say? Or are mm -hmm. they saying that because um, they don't see themselves as enough? Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, so, and here's another. So self-deprecating behavior, like berating your performance. Mm -hmm. If you do a great job and you look at it and you're like, oh, that wasn't enough. I could have done better. I could have done it better. Uh, and what's the next one? Yeah. And that's a hard, that's like with cooking with <laughs> for me. Like when I'm cooking, I'm like, oh, I could have done, you know, something better here. I know that's not <laughs> imposter syndrome, but... We're always our worst enemies, well, right? We're our worst critics. Well, but remember, imposter syndrome, it affects every avenue of our life, not just our work or our personal or, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, I'm an imposter wife. <laughs> <laughs> an imposter housewife. An imposter cooker. <laughs> imposter housewife. Okay. Fear that you won't live up to the expectations. That's a big one. And, you know, a lot of these are normal societal feelings, mm -hmm. right? That society teaches us anyways. And so again, it is societal that uh, kind of fosters this, right? Yeah. You know, it's the the societal expectations that kind of fosters this syndrome. Yes. Um, and, you know, overachieving. Overachieving, yes. You know, feeling like what I do isn't enough, so I have to do extra to be as good as everybody else around mm -hmm. me. When it's probably not even necessary, right? right? So you have these people, the workaholics and people who um, are just constantly at work and focused on that and, and overachieving, trying to find some kind of value. I hear people all the time, like, tell me, um, you know, uh, I get paid a lot of money to do this. And it's really like, they don't feel like they're that... Um, that they should make that kind of money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, but I only do this and this, yeah. you know, and it's like, wow. Yeah. You don't value your yourself, your time. No, no value. Yeah. And sabotaging your own success. Ooh, that's a big one. That's <laughs> I'm a, trying to think of, a, of, a, of an example there. What do, you, what do you think? So sabotaging your own success is, you know, like let's say you meet a client, right? Mm -hmm. And they come in and... Uh, say, hey, I've heard you're really great at, 
you know, inner child work and I'd really like to, and you're like, well, you know, I'm really not that great at it. Mm, gotcha. Or like, you know, well, I think they might have over-exaggerated or, you know, something mm -hmm. like that where you're sabotaging yourself. Yeah. You're trying to, you know, you're telling people. Downplaying it. You're downplaying it. Yeah. Because, and again, it is the fear the expectations. of. expectations. Uh, yeah. It is the fear that you won't live up to mm. the expectation, mm -hmm. right? So, and of course, you know, self-doubt. Yes. And um, another one is setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you fall short. Yeah. So it's not the just setting the challenging goals, but it is not taking into consideration that the expect uh, that that if you fall short of that, you know, it's kind of like if you and I say, okay, you know what, we are gonna have a hundred clients tomorrow, awesome, and we get three, and then we're like, oh my goodness, we fell short, <laughs> ninety seven <laughs> short. short, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. If you set something that is um, uh, unobtainable, but then you fall short of it, yeah. I always say go big or go home. So if I'm going to set a goal, it's going to be 10 times what I really think is realistic. Realistic. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, but then if I fall short of that, my expectation is that I'm probably going to because um, I'm setting it so high. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think there should ever be a limit, you know what I mean? And but I don't. I also don't see uh, myself. This is as not. Sex. This is not pertain to sex. To, uh, to sex. To sex. <laughs> I have sex ten times a day. <laughs> Oops, I fell short. We didn't have any. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that just went off the rails real quick. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> and then it says that while for some people, imposter syndrome can feel can fuel feelings of motivations to achieve. This usually comes at a cost in the form of constant anxiety. Like you're mm -hmm. constantly trying to, to reach that. You might over repair or over or work much harder than necessary to make sure that nobody finds out you're a fraud. Yeah, and that's why I like that that uh, <coughs> studying so much. You know, the night before to make sure you're prepared and well. And you know, what does all of this uh, so far sound like? It to me, it sounds like the inability people who don't have self love. You know. Yeah. Um, and again, society fosters an environment where there is no self-love. Um, where, but once you obtain self-love, once you're in that space, um, like at least for myself, mm -hmm. because I do have self-love, because I I do uh, believe in myself, I do see myself as a value. Um, so I don't really have that need to as you know i don't have a need to overachieve at all <laughs> laura is the one i that brushed is, my hair today laura, i am awesome <laughs> laura is the one that is always at the office uh early and i usually roll in around noonish unless we're recording i usually roll in around with the homies <laughs> yeah so uh but what what ends up happening is that this this actually sets up this very vicious cycle in which you think that the only reason that you have uh, survived um, like the class presentation that you stayed up all night rehearsing or that the only reason you got through the party or family gathering was that you memorized details about the guest. 
so that, you know, you'd always have ideas for small talk. Oh, it's God. like you, you convince yourself that the only reason it went well, or yeah. the only reason you did well was because you went above and beyond, beyond. preparing yeah. for yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely do not practice any of that no. in that one. But the problem with the imposter syndrome is that the experience of doing well at something does not change your beliefs. Exactly. So you might have had an amazing session with somebody and it's done and you, you know, you attribute that to an external factor again, like it's exactly. that or, you know, it was just, you know, you might sail through it. You can have like lunch with coworkers and the thought still nags in your head. What gives me the right to be here with mm. them, right? I'm not as, as special as are. The more you accomplish, the more you just feel like a fraud. Yeah, that's stressful, man. Well, and you know, I, I totally understand the whole, like what gives me the right to be here, right? Mm -hmm. um, I experienced that for a very, you know, for mm -hmm. a couple of years after I was an accountant for a thousand years, it seems. And then, you know, we opened free will healing mm -hmm. and going into a whole different space, a whole different job. And it was like, how am I going to do this? Like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm <laughs> not going to be enough. And, you know, yes. and like, I sometimes felt like, especially uh, in the beginning when we would come across some really amazing healers and I'd be like, wait, these people are coming to work for us. You know what I yeah. mean? And and it was just a part of me learning my value and, you know, realizing that every human has that value and also finding that self-love. Self-love. So. Yeah. But so, and, and all of this makes sense in terms of social anxiety, because uh, if you received early feedback that you were not good at social or performance situations, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. growing up then your core belief about yourself um, are so strong and they don't just change by themselves, even when there's evidence to the contrary. You know, if you were in high school and no boys asked you out or no girls uh, wanted to go out with you or whatever, you know, um, and then you hit this blossom period of, uh, you, you know, your personality and, and everything else, and all of a sudden you're getting attention from, you know, people, it's like, it's really hard mm -hmm. to change that belief yes. system within you. Or, you know, if you've been told your whole life you're bad with numbers or you can't spell or whatever, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, you work at it and you get better at it, it's really hard to undo that part of your brain that yes. says, but I'm not good at that. Yes. But I'm not good at that. Yeah, and that's sort of a hard one because, I mean, feedback is always, not always, positive and not always negative, right? Right. And I look at it, for example, my daughter in the theater, right? They get usually the only feedback they get is negative. Right. Because if they're doing it right, they don't really have the time to talk about so, it. Yeah. And so they're on stage and they're like, okay, so-and-so, you that twist and turn and that's, that note you sang was bad, right? Right. And I, I wonder if that is creating that in them as well. Like, I'll never be good enough. I ever, you know... But at the same time, you know, we're, we're definitely not that everybody gets a trophy. So Absolutely. there has to be negative feedback. But how do you find that balance of not well, planting it in their head that you suck? <laughs> well, there's a difference between uh, constructive criticism and negative feedback. Mm. There's a big difference. Um, negative feedback is you suck. Constructive criticism is, hey, you didn't hit this note um, 
the way that we were hoping. We want you mm -hmm. to go a little bit higher or a little bit lower. Yeah. You know, um, constructive criticism is pointing out what needs to be changed and giving them, um, you know, uh, instruction on how, how to, to change yeah. that. I just negative feedback is just, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I just see it so much. And I've witnessed over the years with my kids, you know, uh, during coaching and games or even in dance and dance, they're so, uh, they're cruel, right? And work harder. That was horrible. All of y'all go again. You know, it, it's, it's sad. It's very sad. <laughs> it's very sad. So I'm going to, I was a cheer coach, uh, for four years and I had girls from age seven to age 13. Mm -hmm. And when, and it was crazy because I had no desire to be a coach. And we went to go sign up my youngest daughter, Sydney, when she was, I think, 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. And they had no coach. Oh, gosh. Like, the coach never showed up. And so the guy that was running it was like, hey, so um, <laughs> would you mind being Would you, uh, can you take this over for the day? Like, can you just, like, lead these kids and, and everything? And I was like, okay. And I, you know, my other daughter, Kayla is older. She's, um, I think she was 15 at the time. And so her and some of her friends who were on the cheerleading squad came and helped me. Oh. And I, I never put those kids down. Like I would, you know, say, let's do it again or, Hey, okay, let's do, you know, whatever. And our, when we went to competition that year, this, this little tiny town, mm -hmm. they had never, um, won anything <laughs> like you know what I mean yeah. because everybody else had such uh they had you know like a squad of seven-year-olds a squad yeah. of eight-year-olds a squad of and you them. had a mix of everything and I had one squad from seven to 13 oh wow so and you can only do certain things uh certain um you know lists uh, stunts, and all that. Yeah. stunts and stuff with, with certain age. ages and everything so anyways uh but mm -hmm. we had uh at competition we had I had college coaches come up to me and say wow, how, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. I, like your uh, little 10 group, you know, 10 kid group is louder than some of these 30 kid groups. Like, how do you do that? And I said, I ask them to be louder, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, and because I showed them respect, they wanted to please me and they wanted yeah. to, they wanted me to be proud of them. Yes. And so that was with positive reinforcement. Yes, I definitely could not be a coach or anything. I I remember screaming <laughs> from the stands on the outside. I'm like, oh, these kids don't want me as a coach. <laughs> Coffee and wine. Coffee, Coffee and, and wine. wine. Yes. So, yeah, the thought process is that if you, for somebody with imposter syndrome, is um, the thought process is that if you do well, it must be the result of luck because um, you know, societally, you have to be, you know, you're obviously incompetent mm -hmm. uh, and you just don't belong. And eventually these feelings worsen and go into start leading into anxiety, um, which will then lead to depression. Yeah, I can imagine the anxiety trying to yeah. live up to what you think. Well, others. exactly. And mm -hmm. people who experience imposter syndrome, they also they tend not to talk about it, uh, about how they feel or their struggles, um, because they don't want other people to know that they're an, they're imposter. an imposter, even though they're not necessarily an imposter. It, exactly. It is, it's the almost, word imposter, yeah. It's almost the opposite of, um, it's almost the opposite of narcissism because a narcissist, they usually oh, they would play it. 
play hard. Yeah, well, they suck, but believe that they're that they're not. that they're fabulous, yeah. right? And somebody with imposter syndrome works hard and is very good at what they do, but they believe inherently that they're not good. Yeah, you know what I mean. That they're not enough. Yeah, and so it's it's very interesting to see literally two different sides of the coin, right? Yeah, and it should be flipped. And it you, should. <laughs> you think it should be flipped. Exactly. So, so if you think you might have imposter syndrome, what uh, what should you ask yourself? So while imposter syndrome, um, it's not a recognized disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, um, but um, it's not uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it is... Um, and I believe the statistic is that it's estimated that 70% of people will experience at least one episode of the phenomenon in their life. The other 30 are the narcissists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, so I'm going to – I'll just read a couple of these. So okay. if you think you might have imposter syndrome, um, just ask yourself the following questions. All right? You ready? Do you agonize over even the smallest mistakes or flaws in your work? Yes. I know. <laughs> Do you attribute your success to luck or outside factors? That's a no for me. Are you very sensitive to even constructive criticism? I'll take out the very and I'll leave sensitive. But it's saying, are you very, very sensitive? No, not very sensitive, but I am sensitive. Okay. Do you feel like you will inevitably be found out as a phony? No. Do you downplay your own expertise, even in areas where you are genuinely more skilled than others? Yes. <laughs> so you're half imposter. I'm a, a half imposter. So what what causes imposter syndrome more? I'm going to just say insecurity on my half, right? But <laughs> so like it says that in the earliest studies on this phenomenon, researchers found that the imposter syndrome was connected to factors including early family dynamics and gender stereotypes. Woohoo! Subsequent research has shown, however, that it is it occurs in people of all backgrounds, age, and gender. So basically, that gender stereotype and family dynamics, not necessarily, it's just every, everybody. Right, right. And so it, it does come down to some of the research suggests that it does come up to family, up, you know, some of it is family upbringing, yeah. right? So and, many parents. And the, you're, and the you're, family dynamics. You're not good enough, you won't be a good enough. Right. right. And um, parents, parent styles, you know, parenting styles um, characterized, characterized by being like controlling or overprotective may contribute to the, to the development of imposter syndrome. Uh, for example, you might have come from a family that highly values achievement or had parents um, who flip back and forth between offering praise and being critical. Studies suggest that people who come from families characterized by high levels of conflict with low amounts of support may be more likely to experience imposter syndrome. So yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Yes. And so yeah, the, the next one says new work or school opportunities. <laughs> so we know that, you know, entering a new role can trigger the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You get a new job, you don't know, like, oh, am I going to live up to it? For example, right. you know, starting college or a university, university might leave you feeling as though you don't belong and are not capable, which is a big one. And that's societal, right? If it appears that imposter syndrome is often the most, often most common when people are going through the transition and trying new things. The pressure to achieve it and uh, succeed combined with a lack, uh, lack of experience can trigger feelings of inadequacy in these new roles. So yeah. basically trying anything new, which right. to me, I mean, I don't know if that necessarily brings on imposter syndrome. I mean, you're trying something new. There's no way to know 
how qualified you are at it yet, you know, until right. you try it. So exactly. And, you know, the the severity of it um, is it's certainly linked to like personality traits. Mm -hmm. Right. So if yes. you have somebody who has um, low self-efficiency, you know, which refers to your belief in your ability to succeed in any given situation. Yeah. If you have that, um, like I can't ever do anything right feeling, mm -hmm. um, yeah, your imposter syndrome yeah. is going to be off that's the charts. Stressful. Yes. Yeah. Perfectionism. <laughs> that's a hard you know, one. I hate the word perfect. I know. It's got to be. You never heard that song? No. Perfect. I don't know. I that used one. to sing that when I sang in a band. That was, oh. of, that was one of my songs. Was that, your, songs. was that in your stripper days? Yes. Okay. I wore a flower in my hair. Um, <laughs> Not on your cuckoo? No. Why? It, it won't point taken. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it says you might think that there is some perfect script for conversations and that you cannot say the wrong thing. You probably have trouble asking for help from others and may procrastinate due to your own high standards. I don't yeah. know. I, I didn't think a perfectionist would be a procrastinator. Well, but didn't seem that type of personality. So perfectionist. So when somebody's a perfectionist, so I know my handsome husband is listening and he is a perfectionist. Sometimes he will procrastinate on starting or completing a uh, project because it, he fears that like being for it being perfect, uh, like, like, you know what I'm saying? And so that will sometimes Delay. Um, delay it, yeah. The beginning. So what is that next Neuroticism. One? It's one of the big five personality mentions that is linked to higher levels of anxiety, insecurity, tension, and guilt. Basically, that you're neurotic. Right. She's so neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, social anxiety. Are we ready to talk about this one? Yes. Um, imposter syndrome and social anxiety may overlap. A person with social anxiety disorder or SAD, SAD, may feel as though they don't belong in social or performance situations. You might be in a conversation with someone and feel as though they are going to discover your social in incompetence. Mm -hmm. You might be delivering a presentation and feel as though you just need to get through it before you anyone realizes that you really don't belong there. While the symptoms of social anxiety can fuel feelings of imposter syndrome, this does not mean that everyone who experiences imposter syndrome has social anxiety or vice versa. So mm -hmm. you can have one and not have the other. Yeah. People without social anxiety can also feel a lack of confidence and a lack of competence. And imposter syndrome often causes normally non-anxious people to experience a sense of anxiety when they are in situations where they, where they feel inadequate. So, you know, if you normally don't have anxiety attacks yeah. and all of a sudden you start feeling like super, super <laughs> anxious, yeah. you know. So, I mean, it, is this something that, like, if you're constantly feeling, you're in your career or you're in college doing something or whatever you're doing, theater, blah, blah, blah. If you're having this constant social anxiety and constant feeling of incompetence, is it something you should just re reassess and go find something else to do? What do you think? Well, my myself personally, no. I think that you should speak to somebody and, you know, express your feelings. And the thing is, is that, of course, first and foremost, you start with people you trust, mm -hmm. right? Because I know that if I come to you and I say, hey, Laura, I'm feeling a little weird about or insecure about, or this is how I handled it. Mm -hmm. I know that you will tell me either, yeah, that's great. Or you're a dumbass. 
and because I, I know that you'll be honest with me. Except I'll say Dumas. Probably so. Okay. Yes. <laughs> or bachacho. No, bachacho. The thing is, is that I would never say just give up. I mean, I don't say give up, but if it's, a, it's, it's a constant thing that's just constantly causing you anxiety and panic attacks and that feeling of incompetence, well, you know, at, was, at what point do you like, okay, this well, is too much. I say, look at it. And is it something you truly want? Right. Mm -hmm. And if it is something that you truly want in your life, then you need to look at why it's causing the anxiety. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, it's like, sometimes, like we said, we we're only going to bang our heads so many times before we move on to the next thing, right? So it's sort of like, okay, how long am I going to have these feelings of this anxiety? I mean, it, it's it seems like a very stressful situation to have to live like this. Right. How long? I you know. But fine. But I know there's not a date. Like let it go for two months. But it's like, what? well, I wouldn't let it go for two months. <laughs> I would say a second or third time, I'd be like, okay, I need to look at this yeah. and I need to see what is it that is creating the anxiety. And so then that's when you look at it and you say, okay, what do I feel? Well, when I get up and talk, it makes me feel uncomfortable because mm -hmm. why? Yeah. Because uh, I feel like people are looking at me like I'm a dumbass. I feel like people are not interested in what I have to say, you know, and, and start looking at what it, what's causing the anxiety. Yeah. If it is the event itself, then maybe yes, you know, but... Hmm. I wouldn't run from it. I would look at why. No, definitely maybe, not run if it's your passion. But. Because maybe that's an opportunity for you to take another layer of trauma. Ogres have layers. Ogres do have layers. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> See, Shrek felt like an imposter when he had to go into the kingdom and well, marry his queen. And he, actually, he was just an ogre. Actually, I think that it was Fiona that felt more like an imposter because she was half princess, right. half ogre. So, <laughs> but they have layers. All right. So what are the types of imposter syndrome? The perfectionist is number one. Perfectionists, they're never satisfied and always feel that their work could be better. <clears throat> Terry. <clears throat> <clears throat> Rather than focus on their strength, they tend to fixate on any flaws or mistakes. This often leads to a great deal of self-pressure and high amounts of anxiety. Mm. And yeah, then that perfectionism and perfectionism is, I mean, I appreciate a perfectionist because you know you're going to get a good job in return, but how much of that is like stressing the shit out of them? <laughs> I agree. I agree. And then you have the superhero and it's called that because these individuals, they feel inadequate. And but yeah, they feel compelled to push themselves to work as hard as possible mm -hmm. and oftentimes to their own self-detriment. Yes. Yes. And then the expert. These are the people that they're always trying to learn more <clears throat> and never <laughs> satisfied with their level of understanding. Even though they are highly skilled, they underrate their own expertise. Laura. Well, no, but I, I'm not doing it necessarily. I don't think trying to be an expert. I, I enjoy learning. I call myself always the student, never the master. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not. I have not spent my life learning the same thing. No, right. Agree. I'm always yeah. doing always something new, something just to new. add on to what I'm doing. So. No, no, I totally agree with you. And then we have the natural genius. Me. And, no, and this is <laughs> and this is the individual sets. Um, they they set excessively lofty goals for themselves and then feel crushed when they don't succeed on their first try. Mm. So that's the you know what we we already kind of talked about this one of setting unrealistic goals and then when you don't achieve them, beating yourself up about it. Yes. Hello, amazing listeners. Sorry for the interruption, but Laura and I wanted to ask for your help. There is this cool program that we use called Patreon. When you sign up for Patreon under Who Said You Have To, you will get exclusive gifts from Tina and me. 
For as little as $5 a month, you can get bonus content, live videos with Laura and me, which, coffee and wine. (laughs) Fully clothed. (laughs) As well as an awesome Who Said You Have To sticker. Another way to help us is to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Reviews are how we grow our listenership. Laura and I love doing this podcast, and we truly appreciate all of your support. Now, back to the show. The Soloist. These people tend to be very individualistic and prefer to work alone. So self-worth often stems from their productivity, so they often reject offers of assistance. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's an interesting one. They tend to see asking for help as a sign of weakness or incompetence. So that uh, one, if it was all that's caps, a, it would have my name next to it. I was going to gonna say, that's a warrior trait right there. <laughs> that sounds very, my very... My picture right next to that definition. That would be absolutely perfect. So, Laura... Well, yeah, because I can't, like, if somebody helped me, I have to... Well, I didn't do it on my own. Yeah. Because it is valuable. So, Laura. Yes. Um, tell me. <laughs> tell me, Laura. See. Um, how are you uh, different from other yoga instructors? Why you put me on the spot right here? Because any opportunity. Because I am me. What does that mean? <laughs> I have a different view on yoga, and I can't say than all yoga instructors because I don't know them all, but versus the typical yoga instructor, I like to focus more on the individual, have them feel comfortable, and I work a lot off of intuition, mm-hmm. which is sort of the energetic part of my of our healing here, and yeah, my mind just went blank into a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> F you, Tina. I love you too, my friend. I love you too. F you, Tina. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Laura and I run Free Will Healing in St. George, Utah. And uh, it is a holistic healing center where we collect unicorns. We collect practitioners that are unique, very unique, and that they do they do a Something that other people can't do. Um, See, and it's weird because when I am in my class and I'm doing my thing, I'm very no fear. You know, I'm just at it and I go it and I direct and I instruct and I'm very comfortable. But if you ask me to talk about myself about it. Well, because because society has told us that that's bragging or that's arrogance Mm -hmm. or, you know, would you want to go to a brain surgeon who says, well, I mean, I guess I'm okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I yes. mean, but at the same time, I don't want to go to the one that thinks he's God because uh, I wouldn't be in the nurse. I've witnessed those doctors that literally think that they are, you know, they're gods that they say. Well, people. yeah, I wouldn't want to go with the narcissist ass. That's so like, that's what I'm saying. That's, so where do you find that fine line of trust? Your I'm, body. I'm good, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm not God. Well, there you go. Well, it's kind of like, you know, the whole, you may be a god, but you're not that god. Oh, you're not that god. There you go. So, <laughs> all right. How do you cope with imposter syndrome? This is really, really important because it is very much kind of an epidemic almost. Mm-hmm. Where we we do have a guest that we are going to talk to before we start with the how to cope coping with, cope with it. Our guest is Terry Mason, and I have been married to him for two years. Yes, sir. What can we do for you? Well, since you're going to throw me under the bus, I figured I should probably chime in. <laughs> it was a nice bus. So, your your work your work is 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 perfect. Well, it, was, it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I um I don't like that word either because I found that it doesn't uh, promote it doesn't promote uh, learning because perfection gets very frustrating. But 
But yeah, no, I do agree with my wife. I used to procrastinate with a lot of things. Now my procrastination, I think, is, um, since I understand it better, is me looking for alternative ways or looking for other ways to get it done. Or if I'm not familiar, then I familiarize myself with it. So, Do you feel like an imposter when you're out promoting to get work, to get woodwork? No, no, not at all. Just because I'm, I guess now I'm fairly uh, familiar with what I do. Some of the repairs, depending on the age of the piece that I might be working on, some of those can be a little intimidating because you don't want to damage someone's heirloom, but at the same time, you want to send it back to them in um, better shape than it came to you in. So, Well, but let me ask you this. So you just recently, uh, in the last few months, did a lot of work to find a space of self-love. Would you say that since mm-hmm. you found that self-love that you struggle less now with procrastination or imposter syndrome? Yeah, I would say yes, far less. Um, can you explain, can you explain far, far the less. difference between how you feel now uh, when you are, when somebody brings you a piece to work on it, right? Can you explain to us how, how much right. different it feels now than it did before when you had no self-love? Well, now it's, like I said, if there's something I'm unfamiliar with, I'll go and hunt down other folks who do the same thing and, and pose questions to them because I need to pick their brain. Whereas before I would just, I guess, kind of fall back on, you know, I got to figure this out by myself. And so if you're trying to figure something out by yourself, it becomes very difficult. But if you have uh, others that you can trust and rely on and go to for good information, then that makes it um, a lot better. So accepting help from others, is that's a big one. You have to really step outside that and be willing to accept that help. So so let me ask you um, before when you would not accept help, and I know this for a fact because I would try to help you and you would get crusty, but when did you feel like if you asked for help or if somebody perceived that you needed help, that you weren't enough? I don't know. Oh. Uh, no, I'm, no, I'm still here. That's uh, uh, I was thinking on that one. That one's... Um, mm. Because you seem to be a lot more since um, since you have found that space of self love, you seem to be a lot more open to asking for help and also accepting help. Yes, uh, yeah. So I would have to. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. It's. It's a. Uh, it's a little different. So it. Um, yeah, I know. For me, asking. I guess for, for a long time, I wanted, to, I wanted to figure things. Yeah, for me, asking for but, help always seemed like uh, not good enough. If I have to ask for help, so I need to figure it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And so I, there was, there was, there was a lot of things I wanted to figure out myself too, but um, I guess I've come to the point where it's, it's better to ask someone and get the information you need instead of banging your head against the wall for several days. It's better to um, spend five minutes and ask someone and save yourself the grief and the headache. Yeah, I, I concur. I concur. Well, it is also, I do also think that it is a warrior trait, which you and Laura are both warriors, right? So I think it is also a warrior trait to not ask for help, to not be, because it is, uh, you perceive it to be seen as a weakness. But I have noticed that with both of you, as you have been working on self-love, both of you, not that you're the first ones to run and ask for help, but you are more open to it. And we are going to lose you here. Um, So thank you very much, Mr. Mason, for calling in. Have a good day. Welcome. (laughs) Okay. We were going to go on to coping. We have another guest here. Yep, we're going to we'll take this guest and then we'll go on with uh, coping with uh, imposter syndrome. So all we have here is Kay. Hello, Kay. 
Hi, I'm your daughter. I'm Tina's. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, hello. I guess this is a family it event. It's a family today. affair. It is um, because I relate with imposter syndrome so deeply. And I feel like maybe sometimes it might be good for people to hear like um, actual imposter syndrome, like in the workplace. Um, so I just kind of wanted to share that. Please do. I was a groomer for five years, like grooming dogs, right? Not not an easy job, but I loved it. And I got to the point where at my salon, I was, they made me the manager, right? Which is up to me. I was like, I'm sorry, what? The what? <laughs> what? Even before I was the manager, everybody came to me to ask me for my opinion or to say, does this dog look okay? What do I need to fix on it? What kind of haircut do you think I should do? What do you think I should do about this customer? And I mean, they would come to me before they would come to the owner. The owner would even come to me about just things in general. And I just never saw it. I never saw why they wanted to come to me. But they obviously saw that. But I always, I was constantly afraid that I was just, I'm actually just not even a good groomer, right? I'm not even good. And um, everybody else is like deluded in some way. And I, I have done something to delude them. You know, I've done Bring something Kayla to punch. Like, they drink the yeah. Kayla Kool-Aid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, like I have made them think that I'm so wonderful by manipulating them in some way. And um, that wasn't the case. I'm just a really hard worker. That's uh, as I've come to a better space of self-love. I've realized that I'm, I was just good at my job. Like that's just it. I was just good at my job. I was, I was experienced. I am very open and I listen to everybody's issues. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I was just good. I was just good at my job. And like, it really can be that simple. Um, so how did you, how did, can you tell us how you went from feeling like well, an mean, imposter yeah. to how did you make that leap from feeling like an imposter to going to, no, I'm just really good at my job. How did you transverse that? So number one, for me personally, I had to get away from it for a little bit. I've been away from it for about a month now. And people are still messaging me <laughs> from my job asking me about my opinion on dog haircuts or, hey, you used to groom this dog all the time and there's no notes on it. And what do you usually do? Because they really liked what you did and, you know, things like that. I guess part of it is just seeing like how needed I really was there. And being like, okay, well, I can't really, that there's, I, I can't really dispute that people are needing me when I'm in another state. You mentioned, I was going to say, you mentioned self-love, like obtaining, like finding self-love. Yeah. On it, it's, a, it's been a lot of meditation. For me personally, I know that a lot of people like come to things in different ways. It's been a lot of meditation. And it's also been a lot of like asking the universe, like, hey, can I have signs? Can you like give me a sign that I'm on the right path? It always seems to bring me back to like, look how actually powerful you are. Look how actually awesome you are and like how many pe like people you've touched, you know, how many people's lives you touched. And it, I don't know, I guess it just kind of came to me and I was like, oh, wow, like I'm actually, yeah, I'm like actually a very powerful being and people come to me for a reason, you know? And it also, I stopped being so arrogant, you know what I mean? stopped being so like oh that that couldn't that couldn't possibly be it like i couldn't i thought that i just knew better than them i guess um 
<laughs> well, you just thought you were a master manipulator, didn't you? Yeah, I really did. I thought I was some kind of master manipulator and I was always afraid of like being found out, you know? Right. We're going to, we're going to, you have about 10 seconds left. So what would you like to finish up with? You're not an imposter. You're a good person. Just keep going. Love you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> good job. Yay. All right. Do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, I sometimes feel like an imposter mom. Have you ever had that? Like I, I'll be, one day I'll just be there and I'll be thinking, I'm a mom. These people rely on me and they think that I'm, they come and trust me that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing as a mom sometimes. Does, I, is that imposter mom syndrome? You're, you're an excellent mother. I'm, I'm not saying I'm horrible or doubting that, but just, you know, they have this complete faith in you as their, your mom, I'm that's safe with you. And inside I'm going, what the hell? Where's there an adult? <laughs> Or is there an adult to me to ask? Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> I am the adult. I am the adult. <laughs> well, let's talk about coping with imposter syndrome. And thank you, Kayla and, and uh, Terry, Terry my, my husband and my child, for coming on. <laughs> Appreciate you both. To get past imposter syndrome, you need to start asking yourself some really hard questions. Okay. Laura, can you give us one of those questions? One of them is, what core beliefs do I hold about myself? Yeah. What do I truly believe about myself mm -hmm. and close your eyes and sit back about on this yeah. one and really think about it not just unless you're driving don't close your eyes no <laughs> pull over <laughs> uh and yeah i always i usually have people like close your eyes and look within who are you yeah and what i always tell people is in a perfect world mm -hmm. where you didn't have to worry about money you didn't have to worry about what people are gonna think you don't have to worry about offending anybody or anything else mm -hmm. who would you want to be in a perfect world, who would you want to be? Wonder Woman. So, oh. so why don't you? So why aren't you Wonder Woman? I am Wonder Woman. I know you are. <laughs> but Wonder you, Woman. Hold on, I gotta go spin. I'll be right back. No, you stay right here. Okay. <laughs> there will be no spinning in here today. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I love you. you remember Wonder Carter? Bless they didn't do that for the new Wonder Woman. Remember What's back in the day, I'm Wonder Carter had to spin around? Okay, I'm just going to say I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Because like that was the coolest thing. When I was a kid and I used to play, you know, like. Yeah, I spun I around. I pretended like I was, you know, Wonder Woman. And I spun around. Yeah. And I had a little bracelets on. Yes. And, you know yes. what I mean, blocked the bullets. But I actually had bullets coming at me. Yeah, those so, were real. <laughs> those were real. So, we, need the, we need the rope of truth nowadays. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Ah, ooh, ah, ah. ah, yes. So, sorry. Back to the question. <laughs> so do you, uh, do I believe I am worthy of love as I, I am? am? That's that self-love one. It's that self-love. Mm -hmm. And must I be perfect for others to approve of me? And the way I look at that one usually is, um, what do I expect of others? Yeah. What's do I mean? hold, because I hold myself to this super high ginormous standard, but I don't on others. So why am I doing that to myself? Yeah, so I don't hold myself I, to the highest. Well, I've, I've been dropping it. <laughs> I've been dropping it like it's hot. You're like, I've been dropping it since I've been in, with you. <laughs> dropping like it's hot. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So to move past these feelings, um, you need to become more comfortable confronting some of the deeply ingrained beliefs you hold about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, just like, you know, Kayla was saying that she believed that she, you know, that she was manipulating these people into believing that she was something. She's so powerful. That, yeah. <laughs> Honey, you may be a god, but you're not that god. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, understanding that, okay, it's not my mass manipulation skills, yes. right? 
that maybe I'm just actually really good at what I do, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes this is really hard, uh, you know, to, to be able to get to that. And yeah. um, because you might not even realize that you're doing that, that you're holding on to those beliefs. Yeah. Yes. And share your feelings. Yeah, exactly. Which is the hardest one. What are feelings? <laughs> feelings. So talk to other people about how you feel. You didn't let me sing feelings. I know. I'm so sorry. Well, you know what? <laughs> We're going to have a whole episode of just like Laura karaoke. Okay. Okay. Go. <laughs> Not today. Dang it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so basically talk to other people about your feelings and talk about like any irrational beliefs. Um, and they tend to go faster and get rid of them mm -hmm. faster when you talk about them, when you don't keep them hidden. Yes. And focus on others. So it, it says here, while this might feel counterintuitive, try to help others in the same situation as you. If you see someone who seems awkward or alone, ask that person a question to bring them into the group. And that's something sort of I, I, I do with people when I'm doing some inner child meditation and stuff. I'm like, okay, what would you tell this child about how you are feeling right now, right? right. And that's sort of, you know, like it says here, bring someone in. What, how would you treat somebody else about it? And why aren't you giving yourself that same permission and, and love? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, assess your abilities. Um, if you have a long-held belief that, you know, your incompetence in social and performance situations, you know, that you don't have that, mm -hmm. stop and just take a realistic a realistic assessment of your abilities. Mm -hmm. Write down your accomplishments and what you're good at and compare that with, you know, your self-assessment. Gotcha. Basically. And take baby steps. Yeah. I'm just a baby. Don't focus on doing things perfectly. Right. No perfection. Just do it reasonably and reward yourself for taking that action. For example, in a group conversation, just offer an opinion or share a story about yourself. A lot of times just sharing that story and opening up, hey, I've witnessed it, helps people open up as well. Right. right? I'm not the only. A lot of times the fear of sharing is that you think you're the only one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, question your thoughts. And, you know, as you start to assess your abilities and take those baby steps, Question whether your thoughts are rational. Does it make sense to believe that you are a fraud, um, given everything that you know, just like Kayla? Mm -hmm. You know, she was like, oh, I'm a fraud. These people are coming to me. They think I'm better than I am. But if you really look at it, they see the they dogs see that you that you turn out every mm -hmm. day. You know what I mean? Like they see the product that you're producing. Yeah. So is that realistic yeah. uh, I, to believe that? Yeah. And I think I was talking about it with Kayla the other day, actually, you know, when Sometimes people come up to me and they'll tell me, you are this, you are that, you are that. And I'm like, wow, they really see that in me. I never saw it. Yeah. Or I downplayed it, you know. But if other people see it, it's because it's there. Right. People usually, I remember telling her, people usually don't give you a compliment or praise you. On something that's not there. On something that's not there. Unless they're probably a narcissist, maybe, to right. to get something that they Gaslighting, want. Gaslighting, yeah. Um, but I'm not going to come and tell somebody, oh, you are so wonderful at X, Y, or Z, if they really aren't, because I'm not one to give praise in the first place. This is true. So I'm not necessarily going to to pray. And most, peop most people, not everybody, most people are like that. They're not going to falsely praise. Right, right. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, another way to kind of combat the imposter syndrome mm -hmm. is to stop comparing, you know, yes. every time you compare yourself to other people in a, a social situation, you're going to find some fault with yourself. Yes. And that's just going to fuel your feelings of not being good enough or not belonging, you know, instead during conversations, just focus on listening to what the other person is saying. 
and be genuinely interested in learning more, yeah. you know, yeah. and instead of, oh, I can't talk as well as they can watch, listen, yes. pay attention, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it's wiser to just listen and keep your mouth shut than to. Yeah, sometimes. Open, yes. And social media, the big one. Use it uh, moderately because everybody, somebody's always better than we are. So we know that the use of, overuse of the social media is related to the feelings of inferior, inferiority. We've talked about this one before because you're trying to portray an image on social media that's not really who you are. And then you have to live up to that. Well, you know, and that's the thing. It's going to make you feel feel worse eventually. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, most social media, when you see I mean, when was the last time you saw somebody have a, a picture that didn't have some kind of filter on it? Mine. <laughs> but you know what I'm but saying? the majority of people, I know. It's like, why? It's like, how do there, you even look at that yourself? There's and, no candid photos. There's no, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like people are always, oh, well, I need to make my eyes brighter or I need to Wrinkles. Blur, blur my skin yeah. or, you know what I mean? And it's like. Social media, what you are seeing on social media for everybody is not what their life really is. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Well, very few. I would say very few because you and I pretty much don't hide anything. We're just what you see is <laughs> what you get. It is what it is. Um, but that's very unusual. So if you're trying to hold yourself to a standard that somebody else is um, portraying, yeah. right, it's probably not even real. Yeah. I mean, how do you post that filtered picture, right? Perfect. No wrinkles, no blemishes. And then, okay, now you got to go meet, you know, this guy that you met online with that picture. How the hell do you live up to that? Yeah. Talk and about the ang- stress. I was going to say ex- the anxiety. anxiety. Uh, yes. Oof, boop, boop, boop. It's a scary one. So the next one is stop fighting your feelings. I can't um, fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> you can't. I just can't. I'm sorry. Okay. So... <laughs> Don't fight the feelings of not belonging. Instead, try to lean into them and accept them, okay? And I know that that sounds silly, Mm -hmm. but look at it and say, okay, why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because when you acknowledge them, that is when you will be able to start to unravel those core beliefs that are holding you back. You know, look at it. Don't be afraid to look at it. Fear is a lie 100% of the time. Look at it Mm -hmm. and see if it is something that you just need to look at and is it truth and move forward move it on and refuse to let it hold you back so no matter how much you feel like you don't belong don't let that stop you from pursuing your goals keep going and refuse to be stopped there you go Mm -hmm. exactly uh the last little part of this says remember if you are feeling like an imposter it means that you have some degree of success in your life that you are attributing to luck Try instead to turn that feeling into one of gratitude. Look at what you have accomplished in your life and be grateful. Don't be held back by your fear of being found out. Instead, lean into that feeling and get at its roots. Let your guard down and let others see the real you. Because the thing is, is that, so Laura and I do a process and it's called Love Circle. And Laura hates it with a passion. Because <laughs> it involves words. <laughs> but what we do is... We will get in a circle of, you know, like whoever is with us and we'll get in a circle and like, let's say I start and I would start with Laura and I say, Laura, I love that you blah, 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 right? The only rule in love circle is that you end with and I love you. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that 99% of the time when we do a love circle, 
people will say, I didn't even know that you respected that or loved that about Mm -hmm. me. Or, you know, even you'll have spouses who have been together for years who are like, wow, I didn't even know you noticed that. Mm -hmm. And that is because we truly honestly don't realize that, you know, in this world, we may be one person, but to one person, we may be the world. Mm -hmm. And when we start looking at it realistically, right, instead of in self-judgment, we find that space of self-love, then we start finding a space of worth within. I had a partner yoga class once and I had them do a little love circle amongst themselves, just them Mm -hmm. two, right? And whoosh, people need to, I'm not going to say need to start learning love, but it was, I love how you cook. I love how you keep our house clean. And I had to like, oh, like pause here. Like, what do you love about her? Yeah. Not what she does for you. Right. That that was a hard one to break. And even for me in the beginning, when we started with this love circle, it was unheard of to me. Right. Yes. <laughs> Talk about feelings <laughs> and, um, and, and just things that people would say to me about me and my husband and me and my kids. And I was like, that I, to me, it was very sweet that people saw that in us. I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice that about us, right? <laughs> so it's a sweet thing to do. It is. And, you know, starting with self-love is going to be the the space for you to realize that imposter syndrome is just exactly that. It is a syndrome. It is not a disease. You do not need to, you don't have to take medication for it. Mm-hmm. Um Start with self-love and we'll start with self-forgiveness and then work on self-love. Do something sweet and loving and kind for yourself today, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it is taking a walk or, you know, being out in nature or a hot bath with candles or whatever it is, a glass of wine, just do something kind and sweet and loving for yourself. Look in the mirror and say, I have the most beautiful blank, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I have the most beautiful eyes. I have the most beautiful chin, whatever it is. And boobs, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) whatever it is. Um, But, and keep telling yourself that until you realize that you believe it. Yes. And sometimes self-love isn't all just about doing something beautiful for Sometimes it's sitting in a corner and, letting all the emotions out and and just looking at yourself within yeah. giving you that time and the acceptance to look within and accept who you are exactly mm-hmm. exactly so if any of you are going to be in St. George Utah April, April 30th, 30th at 5 p.m. Laura and I are going to be uh speaking um at we are guest speakers at an energy conference. energy conference it's the largest energy conference um, program in the world. And we are going to be speaking April 30th. And we're very, very, very excited about that. Um, if you would like to know more about Laura and I, we just go to www.freewillhealing.com. And you can learn about Laura and I and what we do. We also do another podcast. We do who's well, we do two. two. who said you have to. And we also do another one called the Oracle and the Warrior. And just absolutely loving wisdom yes wisdom is an awesome platform loving wisdom deo uh who is the founder is such an amazing human and she really 
absolutely started something amazing. She's a visionary. She is a visionary and we love her. So anyways, you, everybody have a wonderful day and a wonderful rest of your week. Peace. If you have suggestions for topics that you would like us to cover or you have a question, please feel free to contact us via email at whosaidyouhavetu at gmail.com. If you would like to know more about free will healing, Tina or me, visit our website at www.freewillhealing.com. And also, please check the show notes for all of our Who Said You Have To social media links on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, where you can follow or subscribe to get updates for any upcoming events or personal appearances near you. We encourage you to have faith in yourself. And remember, Who Who Said said You you Have have to? To?